0: Hey, thank you so much for joining us online at Venue Church for another inspirational message from Pastor Corey Gope. If you were impacted by this message in any way, we would love it if you would share it with your friends online. Yeah, real boats rock. I hope that God spoke to you as you take a seat this morning. Has he spoken? Has he spoken to anybody? Here it's it's funny that that um I normally like do kind of a prophetic thing in there, but I feel like the song itself was prophetic enough. You know, I feel like God was speaking through that. And uh, I'm doing a series called 2020 about... Um, we spend most of our time trying to get 2020 vision for what's behind us because that gives us a sense of control. But what you and I really need is 2020 vision for what's ahead of us, to where it is that we're going. Come on, don't shout me down, venue. To where it is that we're going. And I realized that, that what you need is the Holy Spirit, what we have to fight for as a church is the Holy Spirit here now. Remember when Jesus came, it was God with us, like God finally here now. Not a church where we come and kind of talk about things that have been and things that might be, but here and now to get us into what God has for you. God had a plan for you before you woke up this morning, before you ever woke up for this morning he plotted it out he's a planner i'm not a planner he's a planner he plotted it out for you to be sitting right where you are and the thing about the holy spirit is that the holy spirit is a gentleman which means you have to invite the holy spirit in and then you basically have to live life according to how he would rather do it than how you would rather do it But there's this prophetic thing that happens that when you're in the right place at the right time, you get the right thing. You don't get to come to God on your own terms and just be like, hey, I'm going to show up whenever and I'm going to get it all. And God's like, no, actually, I planned this for this moment. And if you're here, you get it. And if you're not, then you don't. This is why we try to get people in the house of God because you can listen to it online and get a little bit, but you won't get it all. Is something that happens here and now. And there was two things in my spirit as we were doing that worship. The, the two things, the first thing was it's like a relay race, where timing is everything. You wanna get free in that area of your life that's been bogging you down, timing is everything. But see, the runner coming by, the Holy Spirit is trying to push you into tomorrow and into your 2020, and he's handing the baton off, but you gotta be in the right lane Come on, I need a little help here today, or I'm going to go forever. I'll keep preaching the same point until I get some feedback. If you're in the right lane at the right time, you reach your hand out, you reach your heart out, you reach your hand up at the right time, you get the right thing. And it's not really that complicated. We just have to do it in the right timing and in the right way. A 2020 vision is a it's a timing thing. The other thing I was thinking about during this is is it less spiritual? I was thinking, I have a Ford Explorer that I didn't have last week. And I can't wait to go home in it. Come on, don't act like you're all that spiritual. You've been thinking about going to McDonald's if you're not fasting. Some of us are in a fast. We don't get to eat McDonald's for a while, which is probably good for us. And I was thinking about that, and I was thinking about the difference between owning a vehicle that I spent five hours yesterday sweating to get clean. Five hours of my life that I don't get back because I got it for a really good deal, but it was kind of dirty. But I saw underneath it, this is how your life is sometimes that God sees underneath it, you just need a bit of cleaning up. And I took five hours and some elbow grease and I got it all clean. But when I drive that thing home it's interesting that I'm not going to drive it like I drive other vehicles. Um, if you've ever seen Pastor Corey in a rental car. How do you drive a rental car? Like it's stolen, baby. I look over, Erin's got white knuckles on whatever she can grab, and I look over and I'm like, if the mafia starts chasing us right now, baby, I have to know the limitations of this vehicle. We might be in Portland and maybe there's no mafia, but I want to know, Aaron. I drive that rental car. I, I, I care about my kids. I care about going home alive if the mafia is chasing me to my kids. I have to know how that vehicle runs. Anybody else drive a rental car like it's stolen? But the thing is, if, if you're driving a rental car, or like some of us, we're actually just renting our lives, and we're not owning our lives. We're actually in the kingdom of God. We're just renting his stuff, but we don't own it. We're in a marriage, and we're renting it, but we don't own it. We have kids that we're renting, but we don't own. We have parents that we don't own. We wish that we had new parents and could trade them in because they want us to be home at 11. Well, the new parents, if they were good parents, would want you home at 11 too. Can I hear an amen from the parents? If you want to eat and live indoors, that's how the world works. But the difference between uh, driving a rental car and owning a car is a mentality thing. It's a mentality shift. It's a mentality shift. I'm going to talk to you today about mentality. See, your mentality is keeping you in the wilderness or it's going to get you to the promised land. You have control over your mentality. But you need help with your mentality. Your men, some of you are renting. You have a rental mentality. If you have a rental mentality, you don't actually own anything at the end. You've got to give the car back. Now, you're driving it like it's stolen, but you don't care if the transmission falls out next week. I'm, when I hand a rental car back, as long as it hasn't been hit by anything and I've got to pay money, I don't care what it looks like. I don't clean it. I was like, here you go, man. Your problem now. Nah. I drove it too hard. I don't care if there's oil in it. I don't care if the tires are flat. I do not care. I hand it in, and I get another one. But this life that you have, you have one life. And you don't get time back, and you don't get the clock back, and God wants you to have something. And it's your mentality. You've got to think about the promised land that God has for you. If he's the father of all and created you, then he knows exactly what he created you for, and he's got a plan for you, and it's good. He says in the scriptures, I know the thoughts that I think towards you, thoughts of good. Now, do you think that God is thinking thoughts of good to give you a future and a hope? Or to take away a future and a hope? See, it's a mentality shift. How you see God, how you see the people, it's a mentality thing. What you don't know is that we've been talking about Joshua going into the promised land and going into Jericho and scouting it out and then going in and taking Jericho and taking the rest of the land What you may not know is that 40 years before, God planned for Moses to take that generation in, but they wouldn't go. I'm going to be preaching about it today. Did you know that God has always ordained your life to look a certain way? There are things that you have not stepped into yet that God wants for you. Can I preach about mental health? The way that you grew up depressed does not have to be the way that it ends because God knows you and God has a plan for you and God can fix it. I believe that. You might have grown up in a home that was always broke. Come on. But you, that doesn't have to be you because God has planned abundance for you. More than enough for your needs. You might have grown up in a home without a dad, but your promised land is that you are going to find, still find somebody and you're going to learn how to treat him because he's not a her. And if you don't have a dad, you don't know how that works. There is emotional stability for you and satisfaction in relationships. I believe that when your mentality is right, any career that you have will be a great career. Because it's here. And it's here. And it's not out there. Mentality actually determines your satisfaction. I'm convinced of this. More than your circumstance does. In fact, studies show this circumstance only attributes uh, to about 10% of your actual happiness. So if you got everything that you wanted, you'd still only be 10% happy and the rest of you miserable because mentality. Wow. You have a rental mentality. It's not an owner mentality. There's so there's three levels of mentality that I'm going to talk about today, but I'm not going to label them for you because nobody's going to put their hand up when I say the first one because it sounds really derogatory and it kind of is. It sounds really degrading, and it kind of is, but if that's your mentality, that's kind of the way that you are. So let's do a litmus test here first. When I talk to a person, and I hear this too often, I, they're talking about their job, I have to go to work. And we all say this a bit, but when I hear it too much in a person, I start like, it's a mentality. Like, it's what they believe, and it's what they think. I have to. I have to go to work. I have to have a job. Millennials, everybody does. It's okay. (laughs) I have to have a job. You're not the king of England. We don't work for you. I have to have a job. Here's another one. What in your life is weighing you down right now of the responsibilities in your day-to-day things? What is it? I have to get up with my child in the middle of the night. They won't go to sleep. I have to. I have to. I have to change another diaper. Now, I should have probably changed more than I did, but... I was the world's fastest diaper changer. It wasn't quality work, but I'll tell you what. It was fast. It was fast. I could change a diaper in like eight seconds. I got stories. I got stories on stories on stories. I have to, but if I approach this with like a have to mentality, it tells me something about you, and it tells you something about me. I have to. I have to. I have to go to school. I have to. I have to. I have to. I have to. Listen to my boss and do what they want. I have to. I have to. Here's another little little phrase here. Now, pick an area of your life where you're saying this too much. It's the area God wants to shift right now. Remember, before time began, He planned this morning for you. Don't miss your promised land because your promised land depends on your mentality, and we're going to talk about how to shift the mentality today. Your emotional stability is going to depend on tomorrow is going to depend on what you do with it today. This mentality thing, your confidence, your confidence. Your level of insecurity tomorrow will be decided in the next three hours during my sermon. Uh, here's a litmus test. When I hear have to too much, it is, I think, the evidence of an untrained or undisciplined psyche. Undisciplined emotions, undisciplined thought life. Have to, have to, have to. It's undisciplined. It's untrained, which is good news because you can train it undisciplined, untrained. Here's another phrase. They won't, so I can't. Well, she won't, so I can't, but if she would, then I could, but she won't, so I can't. They won't. The sense that my boss, if he would only, then I could, but he won't, so I can't. It's a mentality. Uh It's a mentality. It's keeping you down. It's keeping you down. But it's not your boss. It's something in there. Yeah, right. I, how about this one? I'm not allowed to. Well, they won't allow us to. We're not allowed to. Every single, well, why don't you pick up the Kleenex on the floor? It's. It's. We're not allowed to. It's not our job. In <laughs> yeah, my dad's home, picking up Kleenex was everybody's job. <laughs> uh-huh. They won't allow us to. They won't, I don't feel like I need somebody to give me permission to constantly. I can't because nobody's giving me permission. How about this one? Somebody should really. <laughs> I hear this all the time. Pastor, somebody should really and I'm thinking, you're somebody. <laughs> somebody should really. Hey boss, somebody should really feel in the blank. Somebody should really do this around the home. Somebody should really, somebody should really Somebody should really. My last little phrase here. As soon as I find it because I lost it. No one told me. Oh, this gets buried in the workplace, everybody. I've been there. Nobody told me. That's why I didn't do anything. They weren't clear about it. I would, if they were clear, then I sure, I would have definitely done something. But I didn't because they weren't clear with me. Well, maybe whoever they is are kind of busy. And maybe they're too busy to figure out your job for you. And you could have actually asked a question and found out what was expected of you. We live in this society today, Canadians, where it's like, well, everybody's got to hand it out and lay it out for me. Are you three years old? We've been through this before. Keep your dang room clean. Well, nobody told me. Oh, yeah, you've been told. i tell you again. What you have to do is retrain how you talk. If you retrain how you talk, this is how it works, not the other way around. If you retrain how you talk, you'll retrain how you think, and if you retrain how you think, you'll retrain how you feel. That's true. That is true. Well, I can't. I just feel this way. It's because you're undisciplined and untrained in your psyche. If you train this to speak, oh, the mouth is a powerful thing, the Bible says. It can light a forest on fire. It can bring things into existence that aren't tomorrow. If I retrain this, it retrains my mind, which retrains my heart, and when my heart is in a good place, I might actually get the promised land that God called me because if I got the promised land now untrained, (laughs) it would bury me. If you got the marriage that God wanted you to have in your current emotional and mental state, it would bury you. The problem is your mentality is all wrong for it. If your teenager actually started loving Jesus and coming to church in your current mentality, it would challenge you too much because you're not doing all that you should be doing at church. And why would God give you that if you won't? Oh, that's... If you stopped saying have to and changed it to get to. I get to. This is, the dream team knows this about me. I have to get to church early. Oh, you have to? Oh, there are places where they don't have church. I get to. I get it. It's mine. I get to. I have to change another diaper. Well, some people wish that they had a child, and they don't. And you get to. And they would give anything to change a diaper of a child that belongs to them. And you have one. And you don't love that because you have to. Because your mentality. Your mentality. I get to. I get to I get to go to work because some people don't have jobs right now. And this economic reality might be the new reality. And if you've got a job, hang on to it and work hard and don't lose it. Because some people wish that they had a privilege of going to work. And in listen, every country but ours, not everyone, but they wish that they could earn a living like you can. They would get to. They would come here and they would do it. They would get to. They would get to. I have to live with my husband. He's like some big child. Well, that's because he's a man. And you want us to be more complicated than we are, but we're not that hard to figure out. We either are hungry or we want to make out, or both. That's it. I just handed you a happy marriage, ladies. Don't shout me down. You be glad we're not that complicated. What's he feeling? What are you thinking about? When we say nothing, like we mean it. (laughs) What are you thinking about right now? Was I supposed to be thinking about something? Because I wasn't. (laughs) Mentality. The same amount of work needs to get done here as it needs to get done over here. But in this mentality of I have to, you make heavy lifting of what they make light lifting of. How can some people get get sick and are on their deathbed and still are carrying the burden lightly? How? Mentality. That's it. And this person can carry the same load that this person carries, you and your messed up marriage state, where you're just like feeling sorry for yourself and complaining constantly, and this person over here has the same issues, but somehow they have joy because it's a mentality because their joy doesn't come from everything working out because that's not where joy comes from. This person makes heavy lifting of it. This person over here feels small and insignificant. Do you ever feel like that? Even in your own home or at your job or at your school? I feel small. I feel insignificant. This person with this mentality always will. This person over here feels powerful because a have to mentality makes you feel small. A get to makes you feel powerful, makes you feel powerful. See, we're talking about the promised land today. Did you know that um, the devil doesn't particularly care if you're wandering around in the wilderness and he won't send any giants after you there? <laughs> he doesn't care if you have a mediocre spiritual life. He's not going to send a challenge your way, you're not bothering him all that much. He'll let you wander in the wilderness for 40 years, he won't attack you there. But the best land has giants. On it. You want the promise? Oh, there's giants out there because it's good land, because it's desirable land, because the devil wants it too. If you want the promise of God to come true in your life, there's a giant on it that you need to get off it. And your current mentality of get to won't do it, or of have to won't do it. Your mentality of get to is something different. So, here are the, uh, the breakdowns of, of this here. So, on this side here, we have people with, and can I say it? It'll sound derogatory because it is, because it, it makes you ashamed. It's not a good term, but it's a term that we need to apply to it. This mentality here, the first mentality of I have to is a slave mentality. That's how slaves think. I have to, I have to, I have to, I have to, I have to. Slaves are motivated when somebody is watching them, but not when nobody is. At work. In the house. Well, mom's watching, so I'd better. Slavery mentality. Slave, Not ownership. Not ownership. Slavery mentality. The slave thinks, I have to. Until you graduate in the kingdom of God into a get-to mentality, and a get-to mentality is a soldier mentality. A get to mentality is like, I hope there's a giant today because I've been sharpening my sword all morning and I would have no place to stab it. I read the word of God this morning and he fired me up, and I hope there's challenges today because I got no place to beat the devil down if nothing happens. I hope something bad happens to me today so I can forgive and beat down the work of the devil so that God can get everything that God wants. I have to, I'm a slave. It's funny how when you have a slave mentality, everybody who's above you will feel like a taskmaster. Eventually including God. I'm going to show you in in the scriptures today. We move from this taskmaster mentality. See, slaves are motivated only by punishment. And some of you are waiting until somebody calls your number before you do anything. But a get-to person, a soldier, doesn't wait for anything. They know their job, they're drilled, they know what to do. Soldiers are not uh, threatened by other strong soldiers who are on their team. Mm? Slaves are. Right? Man, if I got a soldier beside me who's strong and he can like shoot a bow, I'm like, hey man, I'm good with a sword so I need some long distance stuff here. So I'll stand next to you and I'll take care of the close guys and you take care of the far guys. And I need a guy who's good with a shield. Right? I'm not threatened by your strength. At all. I'm like, no, stand beside me. Let's do this thing. I'm good at this. You're good at that. Yes, let's go. This person here is constantly looking at the person beside them. Just beat me less than that person. That's how we think. Like, just don't get me in trouble as much as that person. And then that's I'm satisfied somehow. We move from slave, which is get to, to soldier. Sorry, slave, which is, I'm getting this all mixed up. Slave, which is have to. Soldier, which is get to. To leader, which is I'll help you. I have to, I get to, I'll help you get to. I'll make sure that you get your land too. Not many people sign up for the last one. Because if this feels unfair, this definitely feels unfair. Because now you not only have your problems, but you're helping the person beside you with their problems. And people come to me sometimes and they're like, Pastor, and then they dump their problems on me, which is fine, which is why I'm here. But I'm like, maybe you don't know, but I also have problems and I have your problems, and I have your problems, and I have your, that's what leadership is. And when I go and complain to God with this, God, I have to take care of these people's problems, he's like, yes, you what now? And I say, then I get to, and then I'll help you because health is for helping. It's not for your personal happiness. You'll never get happy until you help somebody else get free. That's where it comes from. Not when you get healthy. No, 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 no. When you get healthy, health, health is for helping, and when health is for helping, you'll be happy. I have to. I get to. I'll help you. So Moses did as the Lord commanded him. I need to show you that 40 years before Joshua actually takes a people with a different mentality into the promised land, 40 years below, uh, before God had already planned for Moses to take their fathers in, but their father's mentality kept them from going in. So watch here. I want to trip back because we're going to talk about the promised land and we're going to move into the future and I got a great sermon next week. But before we do that, we have to go and take the barriers out of the way to the promised land because the barriers are not the giants that you face. The barriers are not your financial issues right now, the bills that are coming in. Those are not the barriers. The barriers in here and in here. When this barrier gets taken care of, those barriers get taken care of. This comes first. If you don't have this, then why would God give you success? Because all you'll be is a slave in a successful land. And then you'll live in the land of promise, which you already do. People in third world countries think that you're rich, by the way. And you're like, God, I can't make my bills. Your bills for what? For your giant house that you live in that they could get five of their families in? Come on, let me preach. Not everybody came from Canada, you know. Oh, that's good. I could go off of that. So Moses did as the Lord commanded him. He sent out 12 men, listen, all tribal leaders of Israel from their camp in the wilderness of Paran. Moses gave the men these instructions as he sent them out to explore the land. Go north and he says see what the land is like. Find out whether the people living there are strong or weak, few or many. So there's this first thing that God has to do to you to see how your mentality is is a test. The next time your boss asks you to do something stupid, it's a test. It's God testing your mentality. Quit hating your boss. She might be right and you don't know yet. But that has nothing to do with it. It's God testing your mentality. I heard somebody who had a large organization say whenever I saw somebody's heart getting a little weird, I would ask them to do something that they thought was dumb just to see how they were doing. And I went, Is that what my boss does to me? <laughs> uh-huh. It's a test. There's this scouting period of time that God will start showing you the promise and what could be so that you find out where your heart is really at so that we can change before we get there. Write that down. And it says, verse 25, After exploring the land for 40 days, the men returned to Moses, Aaron, and the whole community. They reported to... Now, these are the leaders that Moses had, and they weren't that great, because leaders don't do this. They reported to the whole community what they had seen and showed them the fruit they had taken from the land. That was stupid. That's what a slave would do. If I lost my job, and I went home, and I had a five-year-old daughter, and I said, I lost my my job, and tomorrow we might be on the street. Would that make me a good leader or a terrible leader? We might have to live in the backyard right now, and it's cold outside, baby. I don't know what to do. What should we do? They told the whole community. Guys, the whole community can't handle stuff like that. We're scouting into a war. You're moving into a war where there are giants. You don't come back and tell everything to everybody. Oh, my goodness, no. Leaders don't do that. You don't tell your, my seven-year-old child cannot make the best decision for their life, but I can. That's why I'm dad. If I leave it to them to find it on their own, they won't. They'll find what every other seven-year-old kid is finding these days, whose parents are too afraid of them. No, 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 no. Good leadership is like, hi, we will develop how to think, but right now let me think for you because I'm smarter. I hope you're smarter than your seven-year-old, everybody. But even if you're marginally smarter, they ought to do what they're told. Some of you were not convinced of that, I feel. You need more confidence as parents. (laughs) This is a report to Moses. We entered the land you sent us to explore. It's a bountiful country, sure, it's great. Verse 28, but the people living there are powerful. Okay, they had this 95% that was amazing, but this 5% over here is all they could see because your mentality shows you what to see. Your mentality only sees the bad five. And there's this 95 out here that God has planned for you, and He's like, "Hey, hey, look over here, look over here," and you're like, "But the people are so... Watch, watch. But the people living there are powerful. Their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. Verse 30. This is my hero of today. Caleb tried to quiet the spirit, to, tried to quiet the people. Have you ever tried to quiet a band of slaves that was massive? What do you have to do, man? They don't quiet when you tell them to quiet. They just keep murmuring and complaining, right? As long as nobody can find me with a whip. Just keep murmuring and complaining about it. He's running up and down the aisles, man. He's like, you shut, shut, shut. I'll mess you up. You shut. I see you. Joe, I see you. Joe, is there a Joe in the back? I can't see anything. Joe, I see you. I know where you live, Joe. I need to say something. I need to say something about this land because it's being misrepresented because of their mentality. He quiets the people. He says, let's go at once to take the land. He said, we can certainly conquer it. He could not even see this 5%. He's like, who cares? But this is where we're going. Of course, there's going to be giants on that land. Of course, it's going to be hard. Everybody wants a healthy marriage. But in a healthy marriage, you actually have to apologize for your crap all the time. And what we do is we just blackmail each other with passive aggressiveness, and you don't apologize, and she doesn't apologize, and then you both live unhappily ever after. Well, if you actually had the marriage that you wanted, you'd actually have to bend your knee a little bit and apologize and feel like an idiot, because that's what good married people do. (laughs) Write that down, kids. (laughs) Good married people feel like idiots. Write that down. But the other men who had explored the land with him disagreed. We can't go up. We can't. We can't. I can't. They. Look at them. I can't because they. We can't go up against them. They're stronger than we are. And God's like, well, yeah, obviously. (laughs) The Red Sea was stronger than you too. The salvation of your soul was more than you were ever going to be able to do. Maybe you've forgotten. You used to be addicted to that drug or that drug of choice, and you're not anymore, and it was stronger than you too. Did you forget? It had nothing to do with you. So they spread this bad report about the land among the, the Israelites. I love this. I love this. Watch the melodrama, the melodrama of, of a slave mentality. You ready? The, everything gets dramatic. Oh, my boss. Oh you ready? Ready? Oh, my husband, you don't even understand. If you get together, girls, with a bunch of other girls and complain about your husbands, you need to know, first of all, that guys don't do that because, once again, we're not complicated. We wouldn't even think to do that. It would be smart because we might win an argument or two, but we don't. I have never been with a group of guys that complained about their wives because we're not that smart. That's good. Write that down. Watch this. Watch the drama and a slave mentality. The land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. They're not even talking about giants with swords anymore. They're talking about the land. The land. (laughs) What are you talking about the land? The land. The trees are scary. (laughs) I'm so scared of that tree. It looks so scary. It looks like a giant, and I'm scared of giants. That rock is scary. It's sharp. (laughs) It's a different color than the other rocks, and it's scaring me. The sun is scary, it burns my skin, it makes it all dark and attractive. so <laughs> scary, so scary. I'm so scared to go to work because people emotionally abuse me by asking me to do things constantly. <laughs> they won't let me find myself. Yeah, find yourself, but while you're finding yourself, put some widgets together to sell, because your kid's got to go to school, right? While you're finding yourself. Millennials, I want to say so much to you right now. There was a day when we had jobs and nobody cared if we found ourselves or not. They just wanted us to find a paycheck and we figured it out. <laughs> All the people we saw were huge. All of them, they were huge. Oh my goodness, they were so big. They were so big. It's not the people around you that feel big, it's you that feel small. Because Caleb's sitting there and he's going, All the people felt big? He saw the same thing they saw, but they saw something different. All the people are big babies weren't big. They were, like, about the size of normal babies, I felt like. They were, like, we have babies, and I feel like they were about the same, maybe, like, 10% bigger, but they're still babies, right? Like, Caleb's brain, his mentality, his soldiering mentality, didn't even get this anymore because he had retrained himself. He and Joshua grew up being slaves, and he didn't make an excuse about it. He just wanted to think differently than his dad used to think. And he comes in, and he's like, the babies are not big and strong. The Canaanite girls' badminton team is not that big. (laughs) What, all the people? I don't feel like all the people were big. Were you, you were looking at the same thing, Joshua? Did you see that? Our football team could take their junior girls' badminton team. I feel like they could. (laughs) We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers, and that's what they thought, too. Oh my goodness, that's what everybody thinks about him. I guarantee you that they're the only ones who ever think that, everybody. If you ever hear that, like, and I'm not the only one who thinks that. They are the only ones who think that, in my experience. They might have one person on their team, and that's it. What happens is this person, see, the next day, like, after after this whole thing happens here, what we find in the next chapter is that the people start getting mad at Moses and then eventually get mad at God, like God sent them and redeemed them from Egypt to kill him and then they pick a leader to go back to Egypt. That's what they try to do. And when you have a slave mentality, listen to me, you will voluntarily pick a leader that will take you back. If your mentality is this, you will constantly pick a person to follow who will take you backwards. Not take you into the promise, but take you back. Let's go back to Egypt, what? Better the devil you know than the promised land? No, it's a mentality thing. You start seeing Moses as a taskmaster. You start seeing your teacher as some sort of horrible driver. You start seeing God as a taker and not a giver. God gave you that child. Thank God you've got a diaper to change. Thank God you've got mouths to feed. It teaches you responsibility and hard work. And it feeds mouths. This is what the people really thought. I'm going to read you an account of when, when Joshua sends two spies into Jericho and they stay at a woman's house named Rahab. Forty years... After this, watch, she says, I know the Lord has given you this land, she told them. 40 years they've been wandering in the wilderness. We are all afraid of you. Everyone in the land is living in terror, and they had been for 40 years. The devil has been afraid of you entering your promised land since you decided not to go in. He's been scared to death, watch, for we have heard how the Lord made a dry path for you through the Red Sea when you left Egypt 40 years ago. We've been scared to death for 40 years. This land was ripe for the picking 40 years ago. Your life, your promised land was ready for you. It's been ready the whole time. You weren't ready. You weren't ready. That's why you're not in it. No wonder our hearts have melted in fear. No one has the courage to fight after hearing such things. For the Lord your God is the supreme God of the heavens above and the earth below. Oh, right. The spies are like, right. It was never about us. It was about the Lord our God. Right. Right. See, the previous generation of slaves thinks that it's all about them because that's all a slave does is think about them. Slave doesn't think about anybody. You don't think about anybody but you. Soldiers think about the army. Leaders think about helping everybody get across the finish line. I'm going to go back and finish in this story of Caleb because two people got into the promised land. Will you be one of those people? Not everybody does. Two people went in because they wanted their mentality shift. Watch Caleb's heart. Watch this, this heart of this lion called Caleb. He says, I was 40 years old. This is after the conquest of Canaan. F- watch this. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land of Canaan. I returned and gave an honest report. Yeah. What had he been hearing for 40 years? All those other, everybody else's, what they thought was an honest report. They were just being honest about how they felt, which is not actual honesty because it has nothing to do with the truth half the time. Honesty is about truth. Honesty about your future is what God thinks about it, not what you think about it. Honesty. Come on now. I'm just honestly telling you how I feel. Well, how you feel is wrong. So they actually lied because they concentrated on the wrong thing. They told lies so that they wouldn't have to go in. And you tell lies about yourself. Well, I never had a dad, therefore I can't. And God's like, you have me. Well, my my parents were always broke, therefore I can't be generous with God, and I can't learn how to spend money properly. I'm going to do a series called Adulting, How to Spend Money Right. And God's like, uh, I have all of the resources, but I can't give it to somebody who can't handle it. So discipline, training, let's go. He says, but my brothers who went with me frightened the people from entering the promised land. For my part, I wholeheartedly followed the Lord my God. They didn't, they fractured it. They fractured themselves. You've been living a fractured existence because you've been too afraid to risk it all. Fractured. No, I wholeheartedly followed the Lord, my God. Sink or swim, baby, we're, we're going to do this. Our family's going to be great or it's not going to be a family, but we're not going to settle in the middle. We're not going to stop. Tell all my kids love Jesus. We're just not going to stop. And then he says this. The Lord has kept me alive as he promised for all these 45 years since Moses made this promise. Even while Israel wandered in the wilderness, today I'm 85 years old, and this is when old man swagger comes out. Anybody know old man's strength? I had a young hulking apprentice one time who was weak in his mind. We had to roll this roll of tech cable onto the back of a truck, and he's like, I can't do that. And I'm like, do you see that crippled up old journeyman over there? He could. How? Because he doesn't know that he can't. He doesn't know that his body can no longer do that and so he can he doesn't know that he could take a lot more than he's taken already and could get through it and could get healthy come on he doesn't know that he could experience more pain and more pain and more sleepless nights and he doesn't know that he could but he could because the grace of God is enough he says I am as strong now as I was when Moses sent me on that journey and I can still travel and fight as well as I could then I love old men, man I'm not going to say anything about my dad because I don't think he's old because he didn't think he's old. I've, you want to get next to an old lion who's not going to quit. He doesn't know what that is. Quit what? Why? Why? And go back where exactly? I remember Egypt. I'm not going back there. This old man swagger just like, I can beat these guys in a foot race and all the guys are like, no, you can't. But like, okay. We're not going to fight against you, man, because you just don't lose. Then he says this. So give me, Joshua, the hill country that God has promised me. Give it to me. That spirit needs to rise up inside. I get to, so give it to me. I get to do this, so give it to me. I I get to study, so give me a good mark. I get to. I'm in it to win it. I get to give it to me, Joshua. What is Joshua going to say, man? Joshua's like, he gave him his portion of land. When you have the heart of a lion and the spirit of a lion, you walk up to God and you're like, this land belongs to me. My teenager belongs to the house of the Lord, my God. And we're going to go and get them back. My marriage, this belongs to the Lord, my God. We're going to go and get it back. My finances belong to the Lord, my God. We're going to get it back. My relationships belong to the Lord, my God. We're going to go and get it back. We're not going to stop until every piece of it's back in the house of God. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I, I pray for every person here that we would realize that there's a scouting time of 40 days. Lord, I feel like 40 days from now, I just feel in my spirit that 40 days from now, everything could shift. The next 40 days, will decide the next 40 years for us and for our children and for our children's children. I pray that the next 40 days, we would retrain ourselves to say, I get to, I can, I'll find out, I'll figure it out. It's no problem. I, I don't have problems. I got mountains to climb, and I like climbing mountains. I've got battles to fight, and I like fighting battles. I pray, Father, in Jesus' name, for the spirit of Joshua and Caleb to rise up inside of every heart here so that we know that we are not enough but you are more than enough and the land you have promised us has giants on it and i hope so god because we have the sword of the lord and we have the sword of gideon father we we are led by leaders who love you and who think that anything is possible and father i thank you so much that you're going to glue us together and knit us together as an army with an army mentality in jesus name amen hey we hope you enjoyed this inspirational message from pastor cory cope if you'd like to partner with us please go to venuechurch.ca give yeah because the life saved is worth everything